The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is the future of the future with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to transform industries. And importantly, they'll discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you are absolutely in the right place. What is the future? Well, it's going fast. Let's see what the buzz on the street is today. Oh, my. Here's an interesting one. Anybody remember back in 2007, Phil Rosenzweig revealed nine delusions commonly found in the corporate world. He called it the halo effect. The book, The Halo Effect, and eight other business delusions that deceive managers. Let's fast forward. Someone has added a number 10 halo effect. Listen to this. It is the tendency to label any project or program involving digital technology as digital transformation. That's in quotes. A less misleading label for such initiatives would be digital change project. Transformation creates a new future while change facilitates a better version of the past. This is from an article by Rob Llewellyn I found in uh, robllewellyn.com, Business Delusion Deceives Managers. So obviously we're going to be talking about digital change, digital transformation. Let's see if we can debunk some of the myths around that. So let's get down to business here. So we're going to say to everybody out there in our global listening audience, bon voyage if your company has already started your digital transformation journey. And I'll keep the word transformation in this conversation for right now until our panelists tell me if it needs to be going change to change. Uh, but if your destination is the cloud... You might get there faster, smoother, more efficiently if you engage strategic partners. Which partners? At what time? What do you want them to do? Well, partners can create applications that help extend and integrate into other systems and help eliminate those speed bumps along your path. Why should you do it? When should you do it? That's our topic today. Our quote, our title actually is help from above. Ah, partners and cloud-based P-A-A-S. Some of you call it PAS, you know, SAS PAS. Okay. Let's see who our our panelists are today. Uh, We're going to be talking about strategic partnerships in the cloud. First up, in just a moment, I will be introducing you to Sachin Verma. He's the CEO and founder of a company called Inkture, I-N-C-T-U-R-E Technologies, and in a few minutes, he'll tell us what they do. Joining him on the panel is Simon Goupil, G-O-U-P-I-L. He's the Senior Vice President of Strategic Industries and Initiatives at a company called the slash character N. 
S-P-R-O, and he'll tell us all about that in a few minutes. And rounding out the panel is our good friend here at SAP, Scott Harrison, who has been on the show before. And let me read from his bio. He has over 20 years in technology, software, and outsourcing industries. And uh, we'll learn a little more from Scott when we get around to him. So let's start with the opening quotes. Sashin Verma sent me the following quote from The Edge. I had to look this up. The Edge is a 1997 American survival drama film directed by Lee Tamahori and starring, well, this is quite a pair, Anthony Hopkins and Alec Baldwin, and rumor has it Elle McPherson played the love interest, uh, Bart the Bear, a trained Kodiak bear known for his appearances in Hollywood movies, appears in the film as a vicious grizzly. This was one of his last film roles. So here's the quote Sachin has selected. What one man can do, another man can do. And that was somewhere in the movie. I have a little more dialogue between Charles Morse, that's Anthony Hopkins' character, and Bob Green, that was Alec Baldwin's. But I won't read that. Sashin, welcome to the show. How are you today? Fantastic, Bonnie. Thank you. It's great to be here. We're delighted to have you. I'm curious. I'm curious to know, have you seen the movie? No, I haven't. That's why I said I had to look it up. So tell me something. I read the plot on IMDb and on Wikipedia. They go off into the wilderness, and Bob Green kisses Charles Hopkins, Charles uh, Charles Morris's wife, and they try to kill each other, and they cross a river, and they get mauled by bears, and a plane crashes. Oh my! What a movie! Did you see it? And how many times have you seen it, Sasha? <laughs> I think this has been an inspiring movie for me for for the last 20 years, and um, it's a must-watch, I must say, Bonnie. So I'll play it on you, by the way. So, Bonnie, how how long would you survive if you were left to fend for yourself in the remote region inhabited by the bears? Well, it depends on if I had chocolate and the bears couldn't get to it. If I had chocolate and I had some red red hair coloring and and my iPad, I think I'd be fine. Other than that, not five minutes, I Remember, no mobile signal. No sign of a decent <laughs> coffee outlet nearby. <laughs> I was afraid you no were going to say that. I, I wouldn't. Give me five minutes and, and that's and it. I'd be, I'd be saying SOS in, in smoke signals out of my mouth in the cold. So go ahead. Tell me about the quote. And the, and the deep roaring sound right behind you. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, so, you know, I've, I've been very inspired by this movie because I think this is where we are standing, um, you know, in the industry. Um, I, I see a good number of organizations and, and even individuals, they are on the edge of survival. And, um, and many of them um, on the brink of being not relevant in the digital age. Mm-hmm. Given that the very notion of work is morphing and the role uh, technology plays these days in getting the work done, I think it's, it's, uh, it's time that we really consider ourselves on the edge and, and hence the, the tagline keeps motivating me. See, what's, um, what's happening is long gone are the times when um, the parentalistic employers would protect us from the cold winds or the bears <laughs> of the techno-commercial reality, right, that we are living in. And, in fact, it's the other way around. Uh, organizations uh, are actually uh, relying more and more on their people to be ignited to help them survive together, right? So, um, so I think people need to take the lead. And, um, you know, the context is that the world is uh, becoming a more complex digital jungle. Um, you know, if you can imagine uh, a digital jungle where all kinds of creatures are, are thriving and morphing and, 
Mm-hmm. I mean, full of uncertainties, full of um, uh, daily survival um, challenges. And, and you have, uh, you know, uh, all kinds of creatures. So you have got these digital giants who are the Amazons or the, or the Googles, you know, on one side, you know, who you don't even think of competing with because you somehow say, okay, you can't even go up against them, right? And, and then you've got, on the other side, the agile number digital startups. Um, and, uh, and then you've got the digital workers, uh, the so-called bots, right? So, mm-hmm. so you have a new breed of, 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 of uh, they're not even people, right? They're, they are actually software who are competing for a piece of your, of, of your work. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and then the whole uncertainty and constant change that the whole market is going on with combined with that. So it's kind of a digital jungle, and, and that's where the, uh, you know, the movie is, 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 uh, is set in, you know, and um, so what's what's important is that uh, we all, uh, you know, go beyond technology and tools. I think it's it's uh, most important is the adaptability, uh, and we need to go beyond ourselves, and that's where the tagline is all about, right? And if you are not part of that tribe, then we are a prey in the waiting. I think that's what um, the context is about. And uh, and as I said, we need to really go beyond uh, our reliance on knowledge alone or tools and technologies alone and even management principles for that. And I believe that it's time that we ignite the primitive instinct for survival, you know, that each one of us actually has been blessed with. So what one man can do, another man can do. I think there is a very, uh, you know, very, very igniting scene from the movie. It's there on the YouTube. You can, you can watch it if you're not able to watch the movie in your busy schedule. It, it, uh, it you know, Anthony Hopkins is igniting Alec Baldwin, um, who is the younger one, by the way, between two of them. But it's, and that's the interesting plot is, is all about. Mm-hmm. So he ignites him by saying what one man can do, another man can do. And then he say, goes on and say, say, I'm going to kill the bear. <laughs> And that's what they end up doing, actually, in the jungle. So, so yeah. So this is. Uh, Thank you very yeah, much, up, Sasha. Uh, in a in a remote um, desert, a uh, mining town, actually, in a remote desert place out here in India. And and um, I think uh, uh, my father passed away when I was uh, very small, so I, my mother brought me up. So these kind of. Um, um, uh, context kind of, uh, you know, ignites me all the time. So, thank okay. you, Sasha. So very, I'll, I'll, very interesting. Ahead, very interesting. Thank you for the movie review, and thank you for the the uh, the way of relating it. I was particularly intrigued when you said digital bots are a new new breed of worker. Software is competing for work. Uh, I, I like that. I'm tweeting that moment. So, thank you very much. We'll be hearing a lot more from you during the show. And now, I'd like to turn it. Turn my attention to Simon Goupil, Senior VP at Inspro, and he is quoting Walt Disney. We've had recently a lot of interest in Walt Disney quotes, Simon, and let me tell everybody, in case you don't know, if you've really been living under a rock, Walter Elias Disney, 1901 to 1966, he died quite young, an American 
an entrepreneur, animator, voice actor, and film producer. He was a pioneer of the American animation industry. Anybody know Disney World? D- everything Disney? Yes. Uh, he holds the record for the most Academy Awards earned by an individual. Believe it or not, Walt Disney won 22 Oscars out of 59 nominations. He got two Golden Globe Special Achievement Awards and an Emmy Awards, and several of his films were included in the National Film Registry of the U.S. Library of Congress. Here's a really cool quote. It's eight words, and this is a wow. Simon has selected this quote from Walt Disney. It's kind of fun to do the impossible. Simon Goopel, welcome to Game Changers. How are you today? Very good. Thank you, uh, Bonnie. It's, it's, it's been great. Uh, I've been listening to your show for, for a couple of weeks now, and uh, I'm so happy to be on it today. Oh, you are very kind. I really appreciate that. Thank you very much. So tell me, how many times have you been to Disneyland, Disney World? Are you just an onlooker from afar? And how did you find this great quote from Mr. Disney himself? Um, so many, many things, actually. I'm, uh, I've been an entrepreneur for, uh, for most of my life. And, and, I, and I like to look at other entrepreneurs and how they think and how they look, trying to understand what's, what's different about an entrepreneur. And, and for me, um, an entrepreneur has been somebody who, uh, who's challenged by the word impossible and, and takes it and gets passionate about it and, and finds a target and try to resolve that target. And, and you know, in, in similar situations in my day-to-day, I'm, I'm, you know, I do projects and I go to clients and they throw me that impossible challenge. It, and every time I feel like that, uh, you know, that 1970s show, uh, Mission Impossible, everything looks like a Mission Impossible to me. You try to find what's the, what's the challenge, how can we resolve it, everybody thinks it's impossible, and then you assemble a great team of, of unique people with unique skills, you use your creativity, and then you adapt on the fly, and then you, where everybody thinks you would fail, you, you succeed, and you're happy about it. But it never stops, there's a new episode every week, right? So there's a new project, there's a new challenge. The constraints are different, so that's kind of how I live my life, right? And, and, and for me, the word impossible has been uh, sparking creativity. And this is where I think uh, somebody like, uh, like Walt Disney, you know, used the word creativity uh, to the end level, right? He invented new things. He, he, he tried to think differently, see, remove obstacles where people think that you can't do this. He would go, right? He would be challenged. He would be tried by going in that direction. So, And I worked with Disney a little bit. I worked for uh, Cirque du Soleil for about seven or eight years in, in the technology sector. And oh I've my. been on site at, at Walt Disney. I've been working at, uh, there's a show there uh, from Cirque du Soleil called Anuba. And I've been on site and worked with those people. And one thing that I learned from that experience is how you want to use the creativity, that skill that, that's underestimated in the business world in solving business challenges and using technology, which is, you know, overly complex, and use your creativity to uh, use the technology as a tool. To, um, to, so combining the best of the human and the technology, actually, to solve challenges. And it's much more fun when you do it in a creative way versus just throwing more horsepower at it. Wow, you used to work, for, I, I stopped, you had me, we used to work for Cirque du Soleil. Oh my, where were you at the time? Uh, where, where were you working for them? Did they, at their installation in, uh, I know they've come to New York from time to time, and mm-hmm. were you, or were you in Las Vegas? Where was this? So I'm actually, I'm uh, based, I'm uh, born and raised in, in Montreal where Cirque du Soleil headquarter is. So I work for, for the headquarter there and, and travel and, you know, worked in Las Vegas and with the trad app. Uh, their traveling shows and their resident shows in Orlando. So I've been on that for 
with shows, trying to use technology in, in that very creative sector to, to facilitate things. A little bit, nobody thinks of Walt Disney as being a technology innovator, but he is, right? He, he, as you said, he invented uh, some uh, new comics, and there's a lot of technologies. If you go to a, a Disney park today, you'll, you'll get a nice bracelet. They'll know where you are at all times. They'll uh, customize and tailor your experience. So clearly, people see just the... The fantastic and the, the, the creativity in Disney, but there's tons of technology behind it, and it's really similar at, at Cirque du Soleil. Fantastic! Very interesting. Thank you so much, Simon. Pleasure to pleasure to meet you here, and thank you for being a listener. We're delighted to have you on the panel. A great quote, and and if you think about it, the way I think about it, when Disney said it's fun to do the impossible, who would have ever thought that you could animate a mouse creature? make him cute and adorable, turn him into theme parks, turn him into, I'll call them tchotchkes and merchandise that would become legendary from generation to generation to generation. I can't imagine if Walt Disney was originally drawing this character and looking for funding, say, yeah, I have this idea for this cute little mouse with big ears and we're going to have a TV show about it. We're going to make rides in a theme park and a carnival environment. And people said, what? Can you imagine that conversation, Simon, when he said, yeah, Mickey Mouse? Seriously? Really? That's impossible. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Oh, right on cue. You're hired. That was that was perfect. Thank you very much. Thank you. And now let's turn our attention to Scott Harrison. And Scott has sent us a quote from Henry James, 1843 to 1916, American author, who largely relocated to Europe. I don't know what largely relocated means, but that's what Wikipedia said. As a young man and acquired British citizenship near the end of his life, uh, he is thought of as a key transitional figure between literary realism and literary modernism and considered by many as the greatest novelist, one of the greatest novelists in the English language. That's a big language and that's a lot of lot of library space. Here is the quote Scott has selected, a very interesting one. Obstacles are those frightening things you see when you take your eyes off your goal. Welcoming back Scott Harrison. How have you been, Scott? I've been very well. Thank you, Bonnie. Thank you for having me on the show again. It's great to be here. We're delighted. So talk to me. Interesting quote. And what's the goal? Is the goal we're talking, and and I'm going to circle around the panel in a minute and ask you all if you agree with that number 10 halo effect of digital change versus transformation. But for now, Scott, tell me how this quote uh, uh, applies to our topic today. Well, I think this quote applies to our topic in a couple different ways. Um, If I just one for the moment, this quote kind of summarizes Walt Disney and the edge, right? Uh, If if Walt Disney, I'm sure he had obstacles he needed to focus on his goal. So uh, I think this applies to that and both the edge. But in regards to the topic today, there are so many buzzwords. There are so many different ideas and thoughts around what is digital transformation? You know, what is a digital change project, if I were to use that? And Mm -hmm. uh, a company today needs to determine where is it that we ultimately want to go? What's the end result? Connecting with our customers, improving orders, improving customer service. What is the top one or two goals that that company is going to focus on? And they need to align their digital projects to that end goal. Saying I'm doing digital transformation for the purposes of using the words does not get them there. 
They need mm-hmm. to clearly identify what are those goals and what are the challenges that I'm, you're going to get there. I mean, this quote came to me early in my career when I was selling up and down the street, you know, payroll services. And it's a traditional quote for salespeople, but it applies to anything. If you're a developer, if you're in marketing, right? Whatever role it is that you have, there are so many things today that are getting in your way from the end goal. And as it relates to digital transformation, the number one thing companies need to do is clearly identify what's the result we're looking to achieve. And then from there, how do we get there? And what's the right thing for our specific company to do? So I think this quote brings the relevance, you know, to this topic in the right manner. Very interesting. I, I very much appreciate your comment. I think you said if you're just saying we're doing digital transformation, that's not going to get you to your goal. Very apt, very appropriate for our topic, Scott. Thank you. And Scott, give me your title. I couldn't find it in the bio I have here. What's your, what is your current title, please? My current title is Senior Director of the Americas, working with partners to help them provide customer solutions in the cloud. In the cloud. Okay, good. It's now in my notes. Thank you very much. I'm going to circle back around to Sashin, who's been waiting patiently. I know he wants to tell us where he's calling from and what's in his cup today. But, Sashin, I'm going to challenge you for a 60-second elevator pitch, even though we're not in an elevator, but we're, we're very high on good conversation here. I'm going to, first of all, tell us where you are in general. Number two, what does Inkshire Technologies do? Let's keep it really brief because we have a lot of information to cover here. And then... And you know what I'm going to ask you very up close and personal, Sashin. What are you drinking now if it's really interesting? If not, what would you rather be drinking that would make you smile? Sashin Verma, all yours. Talk to me. Sure, sure. So Inkshit is a global provider of digital applications for SAP customer. And I'm speaking from our digital application center here in Bangalore, India. Incidentally, India is celebrating Independence Day today and... um, Monsoon rains are lashing the city as we speak, so both humanity and nature are in, are in full expression of freedom out here today. Awesome day. <laughs> and to add to that, I'm sipping some fresh coconut water. People say that that makes me mm. harder nut to crack. <laughs> so I would, I would rather keep drinking that. <laughs> That's fresh coconut. That's as well, by the way. Interesting. I don't think we've had anybody say that maybe ever in over a thousand shows or maybe not in a very long time. Thank you for that, Sasha. That sounds interesting. Is it warm or cold, by the way, the, the, the coconut water? It, it's, it's, uh, it's room temperature, yeah. It's fresh, fresh from the nut, yeah. Wow, very interesting. You're a brave person. Talking about the edge, there you are. Simon Goopel, we'd love to also know where are you calling from? What do you love to drink? And tell me a little bit about Enspro. Am I pronouncing it right, Enspro? Enspro, yeah, you're pronouncing it right. So what I'm do you do? Uh, actually, I'm yeah. based in uh, Montreal, uh, Canada. And uh, right now I'm on a road trip with my two girls, uh, Coralie and Lily Rose, for. Um, at the Fairmount Manoir Richelieu, which is um, just uh, outside of Quebec City, actually. It's a, it's a, on the north shore of the St. Lawrence River. It's got a great view, a great golf, and, and we're, here, uh, we're here for the week, actually traveling around uh, the city. Uh, Enspro is, um, is an, uh, we provide, actually, we implement uh, cloud-based solutions for partners, mostly in North America, but with uh, global reach. We focused on uh, human capital technologies and and, and essentially, I spend my days in the field with the, 
with customers trying to help them uh, resolve challenges around transforming uh, human resources with technology. So that's mostly what I do every day. And I travel a lot. Uh, I like to be with people in person. Um, I'm the kind of person who deals with people and, and I like to speak to them, see them. Uh, shake their hands. So uh, one thing that I do is obviously after my days of work, I go back to my hotel room and, and uh, go back to uh, the hotel restaurant or the bar. And I get asked the infamous question every time, uh, what would you like to drink, sir? You know, we, we get asked that question quite a bit when we travel. And and one thing that I like to drink uh, that's been kind of uh, making me passionate is the, the old fashioned drink, right? It's kind of an um, uh, and I would say the, the oldest cocktail, the classic cocktail recipe with only three simple ingredients, bourbon, sugar, and bitters. And anybody mm. can do it, but very few people do it great. And, and I wanted to perfect it, understand it. So one thing that I learned, you know, is in order to make it great, you, you need to want to perfect it. A lot of people are lazy about it. Just throw the ingredients, shake it, <laughs> give it to you. And you need to, to take the time when you make a drink like that. You need to choose quality ingredients. And you need to practice. Yeah, that's, I've tried that drink. I did it myself over 100 times. And I think it can easily now go to one hotel and the next and judge hotels by the, the quality of their old-fashioned. Wow, and I thought it was the quality of the coffee or how, how fluffy the pillows were. There you go. <laughs> Simon, I have a little background for you and one quick question about this. The old-fashioned developed sure. during the 19th century, was given its name in the 1880s. It's an official IBA official cocktail. It's one of six basic drinks listed in David A. Embury's The Fine Art of Mixing Drinks. Did you know that? You know that? I didn't know that, actually. I, didn't, I knew it was one of the first uh, six cocktails. Uh, one of it was the first. Really, it actually, it became the cocktail, right? It became what a cocktail is, so I, I knew about that. And, uh, but I'm surprised. That's right. and it's very, very popular in North America, but you can see it around the world, really. And the first documented definition of the word cocktail was in response to a reader's letter asking to define the word in May 6, 1806 issue of the Balance and Columbian Repository in Hudson, New York. In the May 13 issue, the editor wrote that it was a potent concoction of spirits, bitters, water, and sugar referred to as a bittered sling. Interesting. And then they found it in New York City in 1833. But my question to you is it has, it's made by muddling sugar with bitters. What is muddling? Um, there's actually two. Muddling is you, you would mix them together. You would squeeze, squeeze the bitters into the sugar. A lot of places they will use the sugar cubes and they will create their own bitters and put them in the cube and leave it like that for a couple of hours. So it will, uh, when, when you squeeze it, the flavor will blo- uh, burst, actually. It's, it's, it can make it a very interesting cocktail. Oh, thank you very much. I hope you uh, enjoyed the history. I sure did. I love to look up interesting things like that. And Scott Harrison at SAP, where are you calling from today? And you've done this before. Do you have a new drink for me or the previous one? Go ahead, Scott. Today I am calling you from uh, home office outside of Granite Bay, California, where the weather is beautiful and we're hitting fall. So last time we talked about Chopin vodka, which is one of my personal yes. favorites. Um, so, so later in the day, of course, what, I'll stay consistent to the theme, but uh, if any of you have tried the vodka from Costco... It's called Kirkland Vodka. Mm -hmm. It is really a fantastic vodka at a great value. I know there's a lot of talk at uh, parties about it, and there's a buzz. What kind of vodka is it really? Because it's labeled under the Kirkland brand of Costco. 
but I would, I would share with everyone, and for those who don't know, it's great. You ought to check it out. It's great for mixing with other drinks or even drinking alone. It's that high quality of a vodka where you can even drink it in a martini style or use it as a great mix, mixture. And, of course, when you get it from Costco, there's a great value associated, which is a nice benefit as well. And according to Mr. Wonderful on Shark Tank, uh, Kevin O'Leary, he, he is very big in the wine and spirits business. He says Costco is the world's largest retailer in the wine business. Did you know that, Scott? Uh, I'm not surprised. I did not know that, but we help contribute to that as well. I'm glad you do, and I have to tell you a little piece of trivia. We did a show on the value of science fiction reading, not just a summer escape, but as preparation for what our world may look like, in fact. that there. And we, we wondered last week on Coffee Break with Game Changers, should it be science fiction, good science fiction, be required reading for business leaders. That's something to ponder. But the reason I'm telling you this is a, a prolific mystery writer named Brenda J. Cooper is the CIO of Kirkland, Washington, and she was one of our guests on the show. She, uh, I was going to say she moonlights as a CIO while she's busy writing dozens and dozens of sci-fi novels. So there's a little bit of, uh, of, of Costco history for you. From Kirkland. So there. So uh, what I want to do is I want to take a break. But before I take a break, I'm going to do a quick lightning round around the panel. First Sasha, then Simon, then Scott. Our three S's today Our three superb speakers. There we go. Staying with the alliteration. And I want to ask for my opening quote, the 10th halo effect, uh, saying it's digital technology. It's a digital transformation. Should it be just digital change? I think Scott mentioned that in his opening. But let's go around the panel. Do you agree with that or disagree? Just give me a, a two-sentence answer very quickly so we can go to break and come back with a roundtable. Sasha, what do you think? Is digital transformation just saying it, or is it really a change project? What's your point of view? A lot of different um, transformation elements needs to come together for digital transformation to be truly digital transformation. Everything else is projects and business as usual, in my opinion, yeah. Thank you very much. Very interesting. And Simon Gupal, agree or disagree with change versus transformation, the true meaning? For me, it's all about change. You know, I think uh, technology happens, and, and it's all about people adopting it or not, right? So it's, it's all about the people changing uh, to adapt that technology. Thank you very much. I think we're doing something evolutionary on the show today. And Scott Harrison, agree or disagree, is just saying we're doing a digital transformation. Is that the real deal, or are you just changing things up? What do you think? I, I think that many projects are are called digital transformation, but they're digital change. They're just small little projects. They're they're digitizing a web form or some type of form, and people will call that transforming. I view transforming as something that fundamentally helps your business deliver better value for your customers, and not every digital transformation project or strategy is is truly transformational. It's just a digital project that could be helpful, but it's not transformational. Very well put. I'm glad I started with the halo. We got some really good insights here. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to ask Sashin to kick off the roundtable. He and I are going to select a topic from his notes while we're off air for just 90 seconds. If you're just joining us, we are having a really interesting conversation. My very special guests are Sashin Verma at Inkshire, Simon Gupal at NSPRO, and Scott Harrison at SAP. And we have to do a shout-out to Sylvie Ottensai. 
solid at SAP for putting together this really interesting panel. Sylvie, very well done. And a shout out to Brad Borkin, who's the sponsor of the series. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. They don't let me anywhere near caffeine on radio show days. And today's a doubleheader. I'll be back in an hour after this one with another live show. So I'm just drinking cool, clear water to keep a cool, clear head while I'm picking the brains of these fascinating and very smart panelists today. You're listening to The Future of the Future with Game Changers Radio. This is number eight, episode of season two, in case you're keeping track. Our topic, transformational help from above, partners and cloud-based POS. We'll be right back. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. You know the drill. Kevin out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. An unprecedented pace of change, driven by exciting technology advances like the Internet of Things, is disrupting your industry and every other industry around the globe. Your future business success will be influenced by your ability to understand and harness these innovations and many more. Mobile devices instantaneously connecting the world populations, robotics, 3D printing, and self-driving cars. The sharing economy and ubiquitous global business networks. Reality Check. The future is happening right now. Join us for insights from industry experts on what it all means for your business and your daily life. The Future of the Future with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit SAP.com. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Listening to the future of the future with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to the future of the future with Game Changers. Indeed, here we are, the future of the future, with three very special guests, Sasha Verma at Inkshire, I-N-C-T-U-R-E Technologies, Simon Guppel at NSPRO, it's spelled the slash character, capital N, space S-P-R-O, and Scott J. Harrison at SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and let's kick off the roundtable. I'm looking at Sasha Verma's notes, and here's an interesting topic. He told me before the show democratization of IT is key to the success of digital applications. Uh, an inclusive and collaborative approach to design with customers and SMEs and letting young entrepreneurial teams own the product lifecycle. You packed a lot of good information in there. Sashin, please spend about two minutes telling us what this all means. Sure, see, I'm just building on your um, um, opening uh, note, Bonnie, that um, if we truly want to achieve transformation, then we need to bring in various different elements of transformation. And one of the key elements, especially in the, in the complexities of the digital uh, age, is collaboration. Mm-hmm. And um, people from various disciplines, um, various parts and hierarchies of the organization, they need to come together. And this includes both the external uh, folks like partners, vendors, or the internal teams. So I think key is to uh, really bring those SMEs 
and um, give them the autonomy. Let the entrepreneurial um, approach uh, take over. Um, and that, I think, is one of the magic sauce for success of, of uh, digital initiatives, digital transformation, I think, is to really ignite um, uh, you know, the people ownership part, the collaboration part. Especially important because there is a lot of breadth and depth of challenges that, uh, that the team would be dealing with, right? And remember, when we, uh, you know, Scott was talking about value, right? So we are talking about uh, how do we differentiate digital transformation from uh, any change project, right? So one way to measure is the measure of the value that we derive out of it. And if the value is not 10x than what a normal project would deliver, then we should start questioning, you know, are we doing it right? So I think I think the combination of collaboration and a focus on value, I think these are the two key pieces to start with. Morning. Thank you very much. Very interesting. I like the people part. Uh, Simon, love to get your thoughts on Sashin's topic here. Yeah, um, agreed with with Sashin on on the collaboration side. I think the the challenge is uh, people, you know, these days with the, um, the number of new technologies, have been focusing on the the technology collaboration side. They've used uh, you you know you've seen the Facebooks and the LinkedIn's and all those, and there's a SharePoint and many, many tools in the corporate world now, and people try to replace good old human interactions with collaboration tools. I think that's, uh, when, when I'm starting a project, of course I will want to use those tools and those things, but it's all about creating that, um, that connection, that relationship with the people. I see people are, are so important and, and we, we forget about them with technology. So it, it's quite important if you're going to get embark on a journey of transforming an organization, whether it's a little bit or you're just, you know, enabling technologies of, of some sector that you focus on, on creating that relationship with people because you will be successful in, in your transformation if people follow you, you know, if people trust you, if people embark on that journey and, and that's that's true true human collaboration, and not necessarily just using uh, the tools that are at our disposal. Thank you. Interesting. You know, when we think of digital transformation, I think the, the focus is on digital, and we forget the people side. I'm very pleased and refreshed to hear you saying it. We're we're going to circle around, have Scott come in now, and then we're going to talk about. I want to make sure we focus on the role of partners in this human collaboration part of transformation. Scott, what are your thoughts on uh, Sashin's topic, please? Yeah, I, I think that it is an important topic, especially when we talk about the analogy of a three-legged stool and what partners and customers and people come together. Uh, too often, we embark on technology products or projects, and we look at the tools, and we look at how do we go to the cloud? What are the different technologies we can use? But we forget, as we talked about earlier, what are we really trying to accomplish at the end of the day? And how does the technology help support what we are trying to do. I had the opportunity to go with one of uh, a partner and to go actually go on a ride day where we had a wholesale delivery um, customer who was simply trying to automate forms and trying to make digitize it, if you will. And it's amazing the person who is at the ground floor, who is delivering the product to the customer, who is using digitization, what their view is compared to what some other views can be of the people who are developing solutions or even the, the software companies that are making the solutions. And I think it's important that we think about the entire ecosystem 
and the ecosystem involves the customers and the people who are actually using the technology um, day in and day out and delivering service and value to the customers. Very interesting. Sasha, I'm going to circle around to the table and ask you your thoughts on what your colleagues on the panel just added, Simon and Scott. What do you think, Sasha? Any other comments? Yeah, I'll build upon what Scott said and, um, you know, um, this whole inclusivity, you know, which is uh, what my tagline is also about, what one man can do, the other man can do. I think it's very important that we bring that uh, culture and we ignite every, every person in this game. And that's, that's one area where I see the, the partners can make a difference. You know, partners, uh, sh- you know, by very nature, they are, uh, especially smaller partners, by very nature, they are more agile and nimble. And that's part of their DNA. The survival instinct is part of their DNA. And as they go and work with these larger customers and their ecosystems, they can bring that DNA into the game. So I'm looking at partners making a cultural, um, being a cultural catalyst of sorts, you know. And, and that's, that's an opportunity for them to be a true partner in the long run. And that's, that's what I'm seeing. A lot of companies, large companies, they're preferring to work with smaller partners because these partners, they bring the cultural change, you know, which is an important element of digital transformation. So Very much. Yeah, that's thank you, Sasha. Very, very good. I'm glad we're bringing the people side, and thank you. Simon, I'm looking at your notes here, and I think we need to uh, surface a debate, as you mentioned in your comments, mm-hmm. buy versus build. You say this is an old tech debate that surfaced about 20 years ago, a trend by IT managers to start buying applications ready to go versus do you develop them as custom apps. So I'd love to get your thoughts on this, and then we'll invite Scott and Sasha to comment as well. Go ahead, Simon. So it's, um, you know, I've I'm started in technologies in, in the early 90s, and in, in the 90s, everybody would be a developer, right? If you were in IT, you were a developer. There, there was no other skill that you would develop everything. And, you know, at Y2K and everything, uh, the ERP surfaced, right? ERP surfaced in the mid-90s, late 90s, and then people started buying technology. And, and at some point, they were not so comfortable with, with the technology, right? So they would still use a purchase technology as a toolbox and build things. Um, technologies has evolved quite a bit and it's more and more packaged these days. And this is where, you know, cloud technologies are essentially mature um, development package, right? They're, they're a matured set of technology that you can really buy and use as is that comes with, uh, say, best practices. And it's, it's a fine-tuned, right? But you still see people want to innovate. People want to change. People want to differentiate. Organizations don't want to be using technology exactly like their competitor. And this is where um, the build side of things is coming back, right, where we can extend those. So we use the best of both worlds, use the, the cloud, the prepackaged, matured technology, deploy it rapidly and, and at a low cost, and then build what, what differentiates you. You know, extend it, uh, use, uh, use partners that have that, Kill, uh, with both with the technology and the industry and, and the practices of, of the trade to extend it, to make your solution unique, make your business unique, and have technology that's very, very well suited to what you're doing. And not just use the generic toolbox that everybody's using, but tr- try to find that balance between buying something great and mature and then building something that's different, uh, different and unique and very well adapted to your organization. Interesting. So so what you're saying is it's not just a question of picking up a package in the cloud and saying, aha, now we're all ready to go. There is an 
opportunity, but it's an option to customize and differentiate, isn't it? Uh, Simon, does every company see it that way? Is everybody saying, yeah, this is great. We'll get this core solution in the cloud, but wow, we can't wait to get our hands on it and make it special. Is that something that happens right away at the buy cycle, or is that something that they learn about or get interested in over a period of time when they work with partners? What's your POV on that before I move on to Scott? I think people are confused. You know, I think people are still confused about technologies and what it can do, and, and they kind of need to select what buy or build. Uh, I think people need to learn and use the experience of the partners and people who do this day in and day out on when to use, uh, when to purchase a technology and adopt it, and when to extend it and build it uh, to find the most cost-efficient and, and, you know, rapid approach to things. Uh, clients these days, customers these days are still... Um, in one religion or another, right? They kind of pick one or the other approach. And, and it's, it's, I think it's coming back, uh, trying to, uh, actually not coming back, but it's a new trend trying to combine the buy and build uh, approaches to technology. Very interesting. Scott Harrison, I know you have something to say on this. Please join us. Yes, there's a lot to peel back on this. So that was deep in a lot of different ways. I think, first of all, no two customers are the same. They all have common functionality um, and I think, you know, out of the box is a word that was just used, and that often gets referred to in cloud-type solutions. Um, so I think 70, 80% of cloud solutions today can meet 80% of the customer's requirements. And then Simon referred to the build. I'd even call it extend and configure, right? And that's what companies are looking at is how do I get a cloud solution that I can deploy easily, deploy with minimal risk, maximize my return on investment, but at the same time, I need functionality that's unique to me. Um, you, we've heard of this 100-year sacred cow. So my business is different. I'm Mr. or Mrs. Client, and I need to do it slightly differently. So I need to configure or I need to extend my cloud solution to uh, accommodate my customers or my employees. So you do need to combine that buy versus build. I think you need to be careful of do you build from you know, a whiteboard up or do you extend and do you configure? And what the cloud is offering us to the ability to do is to configure and extend using rapid development capabilities, agile framework methodologies where you can get the right kind of platform and technologies to extend cloud solutions so that you can quickly offer that unique functionality that, that the customer uh, is asking for to solve their specific requirements. Thank you. Very, very interesting thread we're on. Sasha and Verma, we'd love to get your thoughts. Agree or disagree on the buy? Buy versus build, the opportunity in the cloud to, as Scott Harrison said, buy, extend, and configure for functionality unique to your business. What are your thoughts, Sasha? Absolutely. I think the, the, there was this whole leadership gap which was there from partner community, to be honest. Um, and uh, I think it's it's time that uh, the partners, uh, you know, jump on that opportunity, take leadership. The more we create um, the templates, the ready-made templates, I think the more confidence the customers would have on starting with them as as templates. And of course, everything we build should be should be built for change, uh, whether it's for a given customer or a set of customers, or even for ecosystem and industries and so on. So. I think it's it's about time that the, 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 the partners, the IP owners, the ISVs, 
um, they they start taking leadership on that. And at the same time, I think there has to be a very strong collaboration with, between the platform owner, the so-called digital giants, or the digital platform owners, uh, the collaboration between them and the ISVs to make sure that the core services, the core content, the microservices, you know, things which can be reused from a baseline perspective, I think that that needs to be respected, you know, because that that um, that hybrid approach, I think, will give the best value to, to customer and the most amount of confidence to customers. Um, yeah, so this is a great opportunity to take leadership. Thank you very much. I like the way you introduced that leadership idea, and that's, I think, what we were talking about in the very beginning is uh, what's really going on. How do you position your projects? I'm going to circle around to Simon Goopel, and Simon, ask you, do you have anything you want to add to this topic before I... Well, we have just a couple minutes. I'll see if I can pick one from Scott's list. Good conversation. Simon, anything you want to add? Yeah, so in, in like a minute and a half, I can actually wrap it and go back to the name yeah. Enspro, right? Uh, why? So why we call the company Enspro? It's, it's an interesting topic. It's actually that Enspro is the transaction in, in the solution SAP to configure the solution. And the reason why we called um, the, the company this way is because it's expressing the art of the consultants, right? It's expressing if you know and understand the tech, all the, the components of the technology very well, uh, you're going to be great at, at leveraging what's, what's delivered, what, what's built into the app, uh, what, what, what you're purchasing, right? You're purchasing technology. And if you understand very well, you'll be able, like Scott was saying, with, with configuration to achieve what you want to do uh, at a greater level. And you won't need to reinvent the wheel. You'll be able to accelerate. Uh, so it's, it's all about the art of the, the technologists or people that are using the technologies, the partners, the people that are close to you that you trust to use that technology, to understand um, the details of that technology, to assemble it properly, and then deliver something that will, you know, mostly accelerate and, and then differentiate, use the configuration and, and the development to differentiate your business and, and have that best of both worlds, right? So it's, I think that didn't change. You know, the company was funded 15 years ago, and, and this debate is still valid today. The, the technology is more and more complex, and what clients want is people that have a great understanding and are able to simplify it for them, assemble it properly for them, uh, use that technology that, that's better and better and, and, and make it simple and make it better for their organization to innovate and change and, and transform. Thank you very much, Simon. Scott, I'm looking at your notes here. We're just about two minutes away from our crystal ball predictions round. Scott, I, I'm wondering if you wouldn't mind answering one of my opening questions in the intro. Yeah, we have seven minutes left. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, the question was, how do you know which partners to choose? When do you bring them in? How much do you ask them to do when you're looking for collaboration? We've been using that word a lot in terms of customizing and making cloud software unique. So could you just give us a quick overview, Scott, maybe a minute and a half, and then I'm going to, Sasha, and I want you to get ready because I'm going to come around to you for our predictions round to start it off at about 90 seconds. So, Scott, how do you know what partners to use? How do you pick them? I think it's a great question. I think you have to look at the end result in terms of, you know, what it is you're looking to accomplish, and does the partner have real expertise in that area? You know, for example, you know, are they a partner that specializes in human resources? And do they have relevant examples of where they've worked with customers in that area? Or if it's in a specific industry, whether it be oil and gas or, you know, supply chain, do they have customers that they can reference 
which they've worked on. Now, the challenge here, and I would say it's an opportunity, is that is that cloud technology is changing so quickly, and there is a shift from partners that have traditionally been service partners, system integrators, to now also becoming product companies. Not only are they doing implementations, but they're now becoming product companies because we reference the fact that they are extending and configuring new solutions. So sometimes they're not going to have 50 or 60 different customers to reference. They're going to have one or two. So you need to choose partners that have expertise in the line of business or the industry. You need to choose partners who are flexible and agile. Can you work with them? Do they have creative commercial economic uh, models that are available to you. And I think the most important thing after you do your checks about are they a viable partner, do they have references, are they financially stable, is do you like the people? Because at the end of the day, you are partnering with the people of the company and can you get along with them in the project? No project goes without some challenge right? And how do you work through the challenges and potential conflicts and opportunities? And that's the people element. You need to choose partners that you can do business with day in and day out. Partnership is changing so fast, they're becoming an extension of your business. And you need to treat those partners as such and move away from a vendor mentality where, you know, some customers might beat a partner over the head as a vendor you really need to treat them as partners and bring them in for those joint KPIs, those joint successes of the end digital journey you're looking for. Thank you, Scott. You know what? I'm going to take that as your prediction. I think that was a great forward-looking statement. I appreciate that because we're almost out of time. Sajan Verma at Inkshire, I can give you 60 seconds for your prediction. Love to hear what you think. Fast forward to maybe 2020. Any time in the future, as I said in the opening, as soon as I say, the words say that space, that was the future, and now it's already the past. It's moving as fast as it always was. Sashin, predictions, please, 60 seconds, go. Sure. So, Bonnie, I would use this uh, movie called King Kong as a context. <laughs> uh, you must have seen that movie for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, the way I predict is that the, uh, Naomi Ellen, who is, the, who is the lead, who's playing the lead role, you know, so she manages to ride with the King Kong, so to say, right? So, and that's what we're talking about. I think in the digital world, it's very important to ride with the King Kong. So basically the platform owners or ecosystem owners, I think that's uh, key to success uh, and, and key to contributing successfully to the ecosystems because there is a lot to do. We all understand that there is a lot to do. And uh, it's important that um, partners, they focus on what their unique differentiators, differentiators are, and they partner uh, for the rest with the King Kong or with the um, platform owners. And at the same time, um, they also follow a marketplace model, which means both the way they are internally organized uh, and the way they come across to customers, they should have a marketplace uh, mindset. Um, and that's those are the two things which I think are going to bring uh, the maximum amount of uh, traction and success both for partners and customers. Thank you, Sasha, and very well done. Simon Gupal, I saved oh, 60 seconds for you, Simon. They're all yours. Go ahead. Good. So if there's one word to remember the next 60 seconds, is the word glocalization or glocal, I think. Um, it's, it's a term that surfaced in, you know, around 2010, 2011, which is kind of, um, it's, 
This is the return of, of the, uh, the balance of the pen, pendulum coming back from being all local in the 70s and being all uh, global in the 90s. To, we, need, we need people. We need to work with organizations now that are local to us but with global reach. We need to work with people that are in the same culture and adapt to us. Uh, when we're adopting technology, local experts, local trusted advisors, but we need people with that, that global mindset and global reach who've seen things in other countries and in other culture to bring this. So it's, and you see that in, in the produce market, people are buying local and all those things, but they still want to have that global expertise. I think it, it's very true now in, in technology implementations where you want to work with those local partners and, uh, and to, to get the best of the, working with people locally in that uh, global reach, global experience. Thank you very much. We uncovered so many interesting insights here. My takeaway is that we're talking people, 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 collaboration, partners, people, empathy. I know it's a word we didn't bring up, but I saw it in somebody's notes. Very interesting. You think we're talking cloud and it's, wow, high tech. Well, we're talking about the people involved in making it all happen and the goals for your company, not just we're doing digital transformation. What is the impact on your business? What does it do for your customers? And what partners are you bringing along for the ride? Very interesting. Thank you so much to our three very savvy panelists, Sachin Verma, Simon Gruppel, Scott Harrison. Thank you to Sylvie Otten. Solid. My goodness, Sylvie, you picked a great panel for this show. I know Brad Borkin was passing the baton to you, and you certainly did a great job. And I want to thank our engineer extraordinaire, Kevin, at World Talk Radio. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Here's my call to action. And by the way, as I, as I said, I'll be back at 12 noon Eastern right here on the Business Channel with a live edition of Startup Focus with Game Changers. So here we go. Thank you also to Susan Walker and Brad Borkin for sponsoring this series at SAP. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Sasha, just like Simon, just like Scott. I'll be back in an hour. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to the future of the future with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.